Welcome to Life Hurts, God Heals. I'm your host, Kurt Flagel, and this... Is Kim Ward, also your host. We're so glad to have you with us today, and we are excited because we have a great show planned for you. I know I say that a lot, but I mean it. Because on this show, we're going to be talking about our dreams. So, I found that questions help, like, at least... They help my brain kind of focus, right? And so there's three questions when it comes to dreams that I think we'll tackle tonight. And I'm sure we'll head down bunny trails, but at least these three questions will kind of put some, you know, uh, bowling rail, what what do they call those? Oh, the bumper rails? The bumper, yeah, the bumper rails, right? The bumpers. So we need those, I think. At least I do. At least on occasion. Yeah. So here are the questions. One, does God speak through our dreams? Hmm. Two, if he does, how do we know when he's speaking? And then three, how does that help us? How, how does God speaking through our dreams, how can it help us in our healing process, healing from our wounds? So those are the questions. So let's just uh, jump right into it. First and foremost, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with this. I get to ask the first question uh, of you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Kim, does, uh, does God speak to us through our dreams? And I find, right, that... The best answer for a question about God is to is to look through Scripture first and foremost. So, Kim, anything in Scripture that could help us, you know, with, answer that question, help inform that question? Yeah, sure. Well, of course, you have the story of Joseph. You know, all the dreams he interprets. We have Daniel interpreting dreams. Paul has a dream. Which all of a sudden means that, you know, everyone gets to eat all these meats that were before unclean. Oh, you mean Peter. 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 Ah, wrong name. <laughs> <laughs> nah, nah, nah. Oh, it begins with a P. P. You were a quarter correct. <laughs> I, oh, if that. Got one letter out of how many. Yeah, you know. When but, you're playing uh, Wheel of Fortune, one letter gets you rolling, so. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Um. There's certainly multiple examples throughout the Bible, you know, the ones that we just talked about, for sure. Um, Now, of course, when I was in YWAM, this was one of the ways, Youth with a Mission, so I gotta clarify that every time. I like how you look at me and then just correct correct yourself. Well, I've been going back and listening to some of our old podcasts, where you constantly were correcting me on that one, so I was like, (laughs) I'm just gonna jump the gun and do it myself. This time around, and um, that was definitely one of the ways we were taught that God spoke. Now, at the time, I didn't experience that, but it was on the list of, like, what, 15 different ways that God could potentially speak to you, and I think they used Daniel probably as one of the bigger examples. So what did they say about Daniel in particular? He just... He was constantly asking God. He was either given dreams or given dreams to interpret for, you know, whatever it was. 
Give me a break. Nebuchadnezzar. <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar. I wasn't expecting to answer this question until we got here today. No, um, that's, that's okay. That's the beauty of life is yes, that... Uh, I am slightly less prepared than normal. But there's a... That's good. <laughs> that can be very good. Like, shows people that we're just like everybody else seeking answers. Yeah. You know, like, we, we really... Just uh, come to him and ask for these, for these things to be revealed to us, and we're yeah. doing it right now. We're asking as we we're praying and asking as we talk. Yeah, you know, internally. So. so Nebuchadnezzar has a dream about a statue, and he's not sure what it means, and no one in the court can tell him anything about it. But Daniel goes and asks God, and is able to tell him, you know, hey, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. This is what the statue represents. Mm. You know, and it, and it becomes something that kind of shapes Nebuchadnezzar's life. Not just his life. The life of this entire empire. And, like, doesn't it kind of give us a whole um, kind of, like, vision of future events that people are still working to understand the interpretation of to this day? Yeah. You know what's interesting about that? as you're talking, is who who had the dream? You, we talk about Daniel, but who had the dream? Nebuchadnezzar actually had the dream. So, and Daniel affirmed that God was speaking to Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah. Uh, was Nebuchadnezzar a follower of God at that point to the best of our ability to, to uh, interpret? Yeah. At that point, it does not seem like he... He's a follower. Now, here's what's interesting about that. Go back to Joseph. Mm-hmm. Now, jo- Joseph, we're talking about not Joseph Mary's husband, husband. or soon-to-be husband. Soon-to-be. He had a dream, too, right? True. But we're talking about Joseph in the Old Testament, who was one of Jacob's 12 sons. And he had a dream, right? Yeah. But what's interesting is in the story of Joseph, in his life story... There's, there's, dream, there's a lot of dreams that come up. And think of all the people that, he, that besides Joseph, who have dreams that he interprets. What's the ratio of believers in God, followers of God, versus those who would probably be called non-believers having dreams that are very clearly God speaking to them? Uh, that'd be like... All of them outside of Joseph, as far as the ones actually having the dreams, none of them were believers. So name them. Let, like, so we've got the baker. Yeah. Then we've got the cupbearer, and then we have, you know, the pharaoh. So four people have dreams. <laughs> Three out of four don't yeah. know God. So same ratio as. Uh... <laughs> really? You want to go there? As your uh, as your peer to Paul. Oh, well, you know. Uh, I couldn't help it. I'm sorry. It's no, okay. I'm not sorry. Yeah, I, I didn't think so. The grin on your face says otherwise. <laughs> but isn't that interesting? That is really interesting. That we have we have these people who God is speaking to that. But a, a believer who follows God affirms these dreams are from God. Yeah. And 
and many of them are are being delivered to those who didn't have really necessarily a faith in him in the true god yeah you know they were worshipers of other gods what does that say what does that tell you kim i well i keep looking back to the new testament where it talks about how like signs and wonders and all of that is actually for the unbeliever not for the like i mean like yeah it's good for us and it's good for the believer too but there's something about a god who reaches out to those who don't know him and this is a way where it's like oh it's very personal there's something very personal about dreams whether they're good or bad you know that just it seems to touch the heart of the person who's who's experiencing them and then to have their dream affirmed by someone who does know god it I mean, pretty much every time you see it, like you see, it changes all of Egypt, it changes Pharaoh's heart, it changes Nebuchadnezzar's heart. Now, Millie, <laughs> I'm not going to guess which, I can't remember if it was the cup, oh, it was the bread maker who doesn't quite mm, have the best experience after his interpretation of the dream. I hope that isn't an indictment against uh, certain kinds of, of food. Yeah, that would be horrible. I like my bread a little too much for that. Yeah. Um, but there seems to be, for the most part, this correlation between their dream getting interpreted and them getting to know God better. In a way, maybe that they wouldn't have been willing to hear from God hmm. any other way. It seemed to have kind of broken through their barriers. Yeah. And at the same time, we have, right, as as the Holy Spirit is descending on the followers of Jesus... In the book of Acts, yeah. in the New Testament, we have we have Peter actually saying, you know, this prophetic word that from the Old Testament that affirming mm-hmm. that this is taking place. And one of the signs of that is there young men, right? I believe it's the young men dreaming dreams. Yeah. Interesting. So. We have a God, as you pointed out, who's, who, who's outward, who goes outward to reach out to people through their dreams, who are not believers. And we have also acknowledgement in the New Testament, as the Holy Spirit comes, has come down upon those who believe, that he works through his people as well. Yeah. And isn't it interesting that when Jesus, you're talking about being young, and they ask, who's the greatest among us? That Jesus brings a little child in front of all of them and says, here's the greatest. And I think some maybe that's because when we're young, or at least young at heart, we understand how poor we really are, that poverty of spirit that Jesus talks about. And, and I think it's in Matthew 5, 3 says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so those, the young will dream dreams is because they're open to it. There's a, when you're, when you know you don't have it together, when you know you're poor, when you know you're broken, when you know, when you're at a place where you go, yeah, I, I've tried to do this on my own and I can't, that's the place where you're open and receptive. And I think there's there 
there is um, there has to be a receptivity for God to 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 for us to hear God speak. He's speaking, right? And I I love John one twelve is one of my big big verses for me, you know, personally just empowering verses in this season because it just says for those who receive him, mm-hmm. those who believe in his name, he gave the right to be children of God. We have the right to be children of God by both it takes believing and receiving, right? It takes both. And so being young at heart has there's a tendency to be or young and being knowing you're poor, there's a tendency to be receptive. Right to depend on others, depend on your parents or whatever, to depend on God. And so I think that speaks to dreams. A lot of people just shrug them off and are not receptive to the idea. Even though we have biblical precedent, we're not receptive to the idea of dreams. God speaking through our dreams, rather. Yeah. I definitely, I mean, I remember hearing about it for the first time. I mean, I I heard a little bit about it with Youth with a Mission, but then, uh, you know, I also did the school supernatural ministry down at the healing rooms, and I missed the first night of two (laughs) when it came to the week that we were talking about dreams. But I just remember thinking, I'm like, this feels really complicated. Mm. Like, this feels too hard. Like, they were... and I don't think that's what they intended to make it as, but especially because I missed the first day of it. No, they were sitting there going, let's make this as complicated yes. as possible. <laughs> like, like, we don't want you to access this. Yeah. <laughs> but there was just this feeling of, like, this doesn't seem like it's for everyone. Hmm. And, like, this seems like it takes too much work because all the stuff that they were talking about noticing and paying attention to was all stuff. I was like... I've never paid attention to a single one of those things in my dreams. Like what? And I could, it could be simple stuff like looking for numbers or patterns. Now, obviously, you know, now that, you know, that you and I have been doing this and you were, you've been teaching me about this more and I've been experiencing it more. Now I can kind of see those things, some of the numbers and they were focusing on colors and other things. And my brain is so story focused mm. that for me, what they were talking about, I was just like, uh... I it just didn't make sense to me. Like it just didn't make sense with the way my brain processed. You know, and it's certainly not something I grew up learning about in the right. different churches that I've been been to. But I mean, I loved reading the stories about them, as we've talked <laughs> before. On I know at least one of the podcasts. You know, it was the only thing I had to sit in church whether I uh, was bored or not. And the only thing I was allowed to do besides listen to the sermon was read the Bible. Hmm. So I was constantly reading the old stories mm. because that's just it. They were stories. There was action and adventure and, you know, love and anger and everything that makes a good story in there. And, you know, so I remember reading all this stuff and going, what? Like, I'm seeing this here and what's supposed to be God's word, but I'm not experiencing it. Where does that disconnect? I mean, you're not alone. I mean, I don't know many churches, including... You know, the community that I was leading, that we really talked about this stuff. Yet we have clear examples in Scripture of God speaking through dreams. Where's the disconnect? Now, here, here's one thing I'll say. No, actually, 
Where do you think the disconnect is? And I'll let that sit for a second. It's hard to say. Maybe because it's one of the ones that's harder to control and harder to be sure of. Hmm. Because it's more open to interpretation. Like we subjective. Yeah, it's more subjective. We tend to like to focus on the things that we can give hard and fast rules to. At least in my experience, especially with a lot of the churches I grew up in, it was. I don't want to say religious because I I know the people that I went to church with and I know their heart for God. But it was kind of like they'd put Christianity and God and their relationship with God in this box where if it wasn't comfortable, if it didn't follow the set pattern of rules, it couldn't possibly be God. Let's call that human nature. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, that's human nature in general. (laughs) So that's a fair point. And I think it's just because because it's so not hard and fast and more subjective, it can feel harder to teach about. And, and I mean, we like objective. Tr- we, that's why we like we like scripture because there's an objective truth to it. But really, when you look at scripture, what is it? You know, I've heard people say it's your handbook for life, it's your rule book, right? If it's not in the Bible, I'm not doing it. But really, if you take a good look at the scriptures themselves, you mentioned story. Isn't Aren't the scriptures really just the story of what God is, how God is relating to human beings, meeting them where they are, and then moving them forward in their story of relating to him? And if you really look at those scriptures, isn't there a lot of subjectivity to those people's experiences? I mean, look at Gideon. He, we would say from our objective viewpoint, looking at that, that he had a lot of sign, like God spoke to him, gave him clear instructions, and yet he still put a fleece down twice yeah. to make sure what he was hearing was from God. Like... How many times do we do that? How many times do we get messed up and think maybe we've heard from God or, you know, or, or wonder if we've heard from God and, and do a lot of asking before we make a move? Because, I mean, that's the, that is the relationship. Any relationship is really built on a lot of subjectivity. There's a, there's a, on both sides, there's a lot of give and take. There's the, you you listen you talk and you listen, hopefully you talk and you listen, <laughs> and there's in between that communication there's a lot of chances for miscommunication because there's high subjectivity, and you have to keep clarifying. Commun- communication is key, and that comes with speaking and listening. So, what if? and being afraid of the subjectivity that we see actually right there in Scripture, we're robbing ourselves of a very powerful means of communicating, at least hearing from God. And from my end, I would say, for me, and maybe I would guess a lot of people, our ideas of prayer, or mine were until a few years ago, were talking, me talking, and a lot less of listening. So even for the Christ follower, 
Isn't that, I mean, yes. would that you say that's true for you? Yeah, I was, I was just saying I just had a conversation with a, a good friend um, Sunday night after we were done with our prayer um, service. And we were talking about disappointment and we were talking about a whole lot of stuff that she'd been going through. And we were talking about how she was getting to the point where she was really struggling and she was starting to kind of doubt who who God was and if he was really keeping his word and if there was really any point in prayer. And, <laughs> of course, I didn't think about it till after we were done with the conversation, but there's this book that I really loved reading. And, and this young girl who doesn't believe in God, thinks prayer is totally worthless, is talking um, to this older girl who's a Christian, and they're talking about it like a conversation. And this is how the girl put it. She's like, well... Say we're talking, we have, we're having this great conversation, and you ask me if you can have some of the taffy we made yesterday, and I tell you no. Was our conversation a waste of time? Because I told you no. She's like, well, no. She's like, I would still keep talking to you. And she's like, it's the same way with God. You know, it's that idea that it's a relationship first, and even when his answer isn't what we want to hear, it's still a good relationship and a good conversation because sometimes you know it comes back to the whole disappointment thing you know sometimes god says no and we don't understand why and i would say that's a really good analogy that's a good story and i would say the thing that pops in my mind is that sometimes we don't even stop enough to hear the answer like uh, how many times in our prayer we're asking questions and we're giving god no space to answer we're not sitting in silence. We're not listening. We're not going, you know, we pray and ask these things and we and we don't approach him um, in stillness. Be still and know that I am God is a scriptural call. And how many times do we really do that and listen and be still and listen to him and even let, you know, look at scripture as something to study versus something for God to speak and use, allow God the space, you know, open our hearts and minds to letting God speak to us, asking mm-hmm. the questions and then reading, looking for answers, like with a heart to look for answers. Yeah. And so here's the beautiful thing that dreams can do. God has room to speak when we're shut down, <laughs> right? Yeah. When we're, when, you know, he calls us to be still and know that he's God. And guess what? If you're human, you do that every night or every day if you're working, you know, a, a night shift. You're, you're doing that. You're being still. And what if our dreams are God, especially if we're not really, you know, good at doing that at other time, taking the opportunity to help us be still and know that he's there. So what if our dreams are, um, some of our dreams are God speaking to us so in a place where we actually um, are, are listening at least with our spirits while we're resting with our bodies. Hmm. So the question is, uh, you know, and you started down this path, uh, <laughs> when you were talking about all the things you were learning about dreams, is how do we know when and if God is speaking to us through our dreams? Um, 
So, if you want, <laughs> if you've got something that's popped in your head, go ahead, because I've been talking. You're talking. That never happens. Um, I'm a, yeah, I'm just, I'm just making an example of what I'm saying of talking <laughs> and not listening. Nah. Um, I think, well, because you were, you were the one that taught me this, so... Uh, which is, is a really great thing for me. You know, it's been a way that God's had a lot of breakthrough where I wouldn't necessarily have listened any other way. Uh, but the big thing is, do you remember it? You, that was what you told me. Like, well, if you wake up and you can remember the dream and it's kind of, I like to say it plays out like a movie, <laughs> <laughs> meaning it's mostly all there. Like, you know, you're not like, oh, I just remember the last five seconds. That's that's a pretty good sign that that God is trying to speak to you through it, but you have to deal with it then, which of course is not often convenient. At least in my case, since He likes to wake me up after normally only two hours of sleep or the middle of the night. God would never reveal Himself <coughs> to us in a way that's inconvenient. Of course not. Oh, that would never happen. Isn't, uh, isn't that what we see? In all of scripture? Yeah. <laughs> a lot yeah. of times? It's it's definitely been my experience um, with the dreams, which um, has just been, if you remember it, you have to write it down then. I mean, yeah, maybe you'll push it and you might still remember it when you want to wake up for real. <laughs> but... Um, that is definitely the thing. If you're remembering it, that that was definitely the biggest thing. It's like, write it down, then and now. Uh, you were telling me you kept kept a journal by your bed. I'm assuming you still do that. I don't. I, don't, I actually um, everything is moved for me to digital to um, uh. to documents. So I just get up and go right to my computer. Yeah. But it's such a habit now, you know, um, for me that. It, yeah, as soon as I wake up, it doesn't matter what time of night or day, um, sometimes in naps I will wake up and mm -hmm. have a dream. Not very often, it's more in, you know, in the night. Yeah. But as soon as I wake up and have this dream that I can remember, even if it's only fragments, even if it is only the last five minutes mm -hmm. or five, the like little piece of it, yeah. if I can remember anything, I... I take that very clearly, as you said, as God speaking, because you know how many dreams we don't remember. So I've been taught, yeah, I've been taught this as well. If you can remember a dream, God is most likely speaking to you. And so I'll just, it's a habit of mine to go write it down immediately. Yeah. And what I find is as I'm writing, and this may not be true of everybody, I'm a kinesthetic learner, so when my body's in motion, my, my brain engages. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's why I'm a verbal processor. It's really just my jaw moving, honestly. Any physical thing, if my body is in motion, my brain is in motion. Uh, so there's uh, a lot of a lot of moments in school that I'm sure I've irritated teachers because they thought I was fidgety, but it was really because I was engaged. And I, and so it's good to know those uh, those learning styles. But that's a bunny trail. But the uh, the idea of when I, when I start writing it down, I find the more I write, the more the more I actually do, like, obey what I believe yeah. on God has asked me to do, which is to pay attention to the stream. The more I do that, the more I remember. 
and I actually knew knew like fragments and pieces of the dream. Usually, more times than not, will start to reemerge, yeah. and I'll start writing, and I'll get more, and I'll write. Um, in fact, I was I've been taught that a uh, a dream is like a person. The more you pay attention to them, the more they come around. And here's what I found to be true. The more that I pay attention to one particular dream, the more I remember it. And the more I pay attention and keep being consistent and writing down my dreams, the more I remember dreams in particular. Yeah. I have more dreams. Because I'm tuning myself in to listen right to be open and receptive it's just like anything else that practice you get better at it yeah i I will agree with you on that one most of my dreams seem fragmented when i wake up and then getting in all of a sudden like wait i don't remember that oh right that was there that detail was there i just didn't remember it right away Mm. And then it hits, and I'm sitting there thinking, you know, when we were talking about doing this, and I started going back through the dreams of the last few years, and I found one that I hadn't titled. I had a little teeny tiny response at the bottom, because I think it was freaking me out at the time, which isn't atypical for my nineness to just go, no, we're not dealing with this. You know, and all of a sudden I'm like, Looking through it again, I'm like, oh, right. But this, 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 and this. And I'm like, we're talking this is from the end of 2019. And all of a sudden, I was like, right back in it. Mm. You know, God's like, well, this is... Now Now that you're ready to listen, now, blah, 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 two paragraphs later, it's like, oh, <laughs> I could have used that a year and a half ago. So what... When you put yourself in a place to be still and know that he's God, he spoke. Uh, yeah, he did. And I just remember in the moment, because I, I was, because I tend to forget things, and I, I don't mean like forget them like I forgot that they happened, but I forget, I tend to purposely try to forget the emotions and the responses that come with those moments. But when I write them down, which is probably why I don't love journaling as much, because it doesn't allow me to escape those moments when I go back, I'm right back in the middle of it. I just remember being so confused and being so overwhelmed with emotion at the time that I was just like, I can't, I I couldn't shut my brain down enough to hear from God. Mm. Like, I remember trying it, but getting so frustrated in the moment that I literally was just like, nope, okay, I'm done, I give up. And, you know, I was like, okay, I've got like this couple sentences. That's good. That's good enough. I don't need anything else. We're not addressing half of the dream here, but I'm done. You know, but I would like, it's the funny thing about going back to things. It's why they say journaling can be so important because you get to look back on where you were in that moment and how far God's brought you since then. And I was like, okay, I don't remember why I was freaked out now because... Doesn't seem like that big of a deal. And God's like, "Oh, okay. You, you you wanted to be quiet now? Boom. Download all this stuff. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, actually, now I do realize why I was running away from that. <laughs> okay. But was there a difference this time 
when when all that like hit you and like a flood of emotions was there a difference between that moment and the first time it hit yeah i think the big one would be the first time it was so overwhelming i think i was almost trying to control it i was trying to control what i was hearing from god and like because I was hearing all this stuff from God, but when I went to go write it down, I just, I was so busy trying to process and control everything that was going on that I couldn't get anything down, mm. which isn't atypical. Um, the more emotion there is, the more my brain's going, eh, we gotta put a lid on this before it explodes and overwhelms us, and you're screwing with my peace again. <sighs> Such a nine response to it, but there we go. Nine Enneagram. Nine Enneagram response. It's one of those things. I was just like, yeah, I catch myself doing that more and more. I'm like, oh, yep. But this time around, I don't know if some of it was the distance. And it's not that the emotions didn't hit, but because I've been practicing more. I mean, that's 2019. I've had at least five or six more dreams in between then. I was kind of able to relax into it. And to use the surfing metaphor, I stopped going against the wave and I started relaxing and going with the flow. Go with the flow. Yeah. It's a very youth with a mission saying. That was actually (laughs) literally our theme. (laughs) It's a good theme. It's a good theme. So what I hear in that, and you tell me if this is accurate, what I hear in that is the difference between being overwhelmed by our emotions or circumstances, whatever, Mm. and being overwhelmed by God's glory. And when we are open to receive him, the more we practice receptivity, right? Mm. For those who receive him, for Mm. those who believe in his name, he gave the right to be children of God. And the more we practice that receptivity, the more God overwhelms us with his glory, with who he is. Right, and the more we're overwhelmed by God, the less the other stuff overwhelms <laughs> us, right? Because we're He's the one who's the overriding, uh, overwhelming, and yeah. and that receptivity means that instead of trying to control things, the the being again receptivity means coming open, right? Yeah. Controlling things closes us off shuts us down when we're open to letting god be god and letting him just trusting him you know the more we trust him and we open ourselves up vulnerably to let him in the more things flow the more we're just become this conduit where we allow all of who he is to flow through us and we keep just putting everything back in his hands we learn the art of surrender And that's really the critical thing about Abraham with his son Isaac Mm -hmm. is that God demands everything in our lives. He does. And not in a cruel way, but in a way of like saying, if you hold on to anything but me, I'm the one who's infinite and endless and eternal. So I'm life. Everything that's temporary means it has an ending and what are endings death yeah and so if we hold on to those things we're going to we things die 
And if we hold on to them, inevitably we will get messed up in all of the endings that inevitably come, the endings of the loved ones, the endings of dreams and circumstances and careers and hopes. But if we hold all, we hold on to God and let go of all of that and surrender it and sacrifice it, then we're holding on to the one who always finds a way through death to keep us moving into life. And nothing, no matter, you know, like, no matter, even if it's the, the people we love the most who die, if we are able to let them go and hold on to God only, wow. We can move forward. We can keep moving. And it, it, there's a reason why Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Mm. Right? Yeah. Because he's the way into life. And when we hold on to him, he walks us in, hand in hand. If we're holding on to stuff that's <laughs> ending, while God is making a way past the ending, do you see where we get stuck? Yeah. We've got one hand on God and the other hand on the thing that we won't let go of and we're not moving forward. And so dreams are like what I hear from you in this is even dream dreams like being open to receive what God is saying to you, practicing this is helping you let go of other things that have inundated you and held you in place. Yeah. It, this whole thing just reminds me there's that Madeline Langle quotes. When you grasp something, in the end, all you're left with is a fistful of ashes. Mm. Because that that is really it. Right. I mean, ashes represent death. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it's <laughs> it seems easier to our eyes to grasp things that we can see, that we can hold on to. But in the end, you know, we're not grasping onto things that really matter. Mm-hmm. And the problem with a closed fist when you're grasping is you can't open it to grab what you really need. Or receive. Or receive what you've been given. Yeah. Right? Like the whole thing about gift is uh, the giver gives it to you, but you have to have open hands in order to receive it. Yep. Yeah. So the how <laughs> you stated, you know, how do we receive from God through our dreams? And you stated um, one what you do is, as soon as you wake up from the dream, write it down. Yeah. And and that's, you know, like, just so it's fresh in your mind, get it down on paper or, computer, you know, on a Word document or... Which, or yeah, I'm, I'm like you. I, I've switched. My handwriting's horrible enough that even this dream, I translated it, and it took me a little bit to read my own handwriting. Apparently, 3 o'clock in the morning handwriting is even worse <laughs> than my normal, which you already know is bad. <laughs> Hey, there's no judgment here on handwriting or anything else. Um, so after you've written it down, you can go back to sleep if you need to, right? Yeah. Like, it's done. But there are other steps, right? Yeah. Uh, in the how process of hearing from God. So what are, what, are, what are some of the other steps once the dream is written down, whether you come back to it later or right. just proceed into it right then? Uh, I know one of the ones you taught me is ask God for a title. For the dream. Because that can kind of reflect where he wants to go with it. And things you can be paying attention to. Um, it could be writing down the characters. How you feel about them. What's your emotional response to it. Getting the setting written down. Having that stuff separate. I'm trying to think of it. Um, 
and then sometimes, you know, there are questions like looking for things to question, like why is this happening or what is the purpose of the boxes, say, in the room? Like, why are those boxes there? Uh, this is really more your area than mine. I'm still kind of on the the baby steps on this one. Only in terms of the fact that normally I just go, okay, God, what do you want to show me? And I kind of just sit there and shut up and listen but, at that point. But that's really the most important thing. Yeah. I mean, that leads to everything else. It's really God's job, right, to to show us what's going on. And that is the biggest thing. What you said is like trying to control, trying to figure it out is a, is really a matter of control in the situation and in many yeah. situations rather than when I hear people say they're figuring it out what I what I hear is I'm wrestling with this in myself rather than wrestling with God I've not let God in to this issue when Jesus says ask seek knock and those three words are in a continual tense Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, and the the answers will keep being given. The doors will keep being open, and you will keep finding what you're seeking, right? So, yeah, it's most important to listen, ask God what's going on, what's in the stream. Is this you? If so, what are you saying? And then, and then just listen and write. Well, you know, give Him space to let Him fill your mind and. And, and until then, you'll probably, especially in the beginning of anything that's new, is uncomfortable and awkward and uncertain and creates anxiety in us. So acknowledging that stuff, being I find when you're honest in confession that, okay, I want to listen to you with this, God, but right now I'm anxious. Mm-hmm. When I confess that to God, what I have done is create I've given it over to him and I've opened my heart to him, honestly. And confession becomes an open pathway that I've opened, right? It's a pathway that I've opened in my heart to let God speak into that. So confession is important to sit there and go, I'm feeling anxious. Not just say that to myself, but say, God, I'm feeling anxious. It's your... I give it over to you. I'm anxious because I am not in control. I don't understand what's happening. Mm-hmm. I don't understand this whole dream thing. And so I'm freaking out right now. That that confession creates an openness to listen for an answer. Yeah. That's definitely the one that I know the <laughs> my brain definitely struggled with that. I still do occasionally. But, you know... It's like, God, I want the answer now. <laughs> like, tell me what you, tell me what this is now, and then I gotta catch myself because I'll instantly start going, okay, well, there's this and there's this, and you know, this could mean this. And frequently now, God goes, okay, stop. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. I'm like, oh, <laughs> was I jumping the gun again? He's like, it's okay. Now go back to what you were doing and shut up and listen. <laughs> and it's relaxing, though. That that creates a, actually the more the more we practice, the more we relax. 
the more God is really what he's getting us to do is will you just stop freaking out and just relax, you know, just rest. And I find that like when I want the answers now, I'm dictating the terms again. And I'm in charge of what I I think I'm in charge of how this goes. And I'm getting in the way of of God speaking because I'm taking charge again. That's back to control issues. And when I begin to realize that that's what I'm doing, I'm, you know, like when I'm anxious for an answer, it's because I'm dictating the terms again. Because it has to be the way I want it to be, which is right now. And then... And then that level of expectation creates anxiety and tenseness, and I'm not relaxed and open. And I get inundated by all these other emotions flooding me because I'm holding on tightly and tense. But when I just go, as I acknowledge God's lordship, and I'm like, and I realize I'm I'm not in charge of how this, how these answers go. I'm not in charge of like the answers I get from my dreams. I don't have to figure it out. God, do I really believe that God is speaking? Well, the more I practice this, the more I believe it. Yeah. Because he gives me even even the little bit of glimpses in the beginning, you know, like if I'm tense, God will begin to loosen me up and give me some stuff, and that begins to relax me more. And the more that I practice this, the more relaxed I get because I see him working in it, and I begin to trust him more and more that he's actually going to speak to me through these dreams. And it's come to a point of practicing this, and it is really practice. Mm -hmm. It is what it takes. It takes practice to just get up and do it. You know, when when we started this whole thing... I was the first time I was taught great people. Um, the first experience of dreams uh, was through my spiritual direction school. So Lynn, uh, Lynn, this guy named Craig, and John Byron, who we've had on the show, oh, yeah. were teaching me. It was Craig Babb in particular at this point who was talking about dreams, and and I was like, you guys don't understand. I, I don't remember any of my dreams. I like I don't sleep, guys. I go into a coma. Like and the, and Craig, I remember clearly Craig just saying to me, "Kurt, you just get a notepad and a pen or a pencil. Put it by your bed tonight." This is on a retreat. Yeah. He said, "You go up to your room and you put this notepad in your in this pen by your bed tonight and I I guarantee you You'll remember dreams tonight. And I'm like, Pah. I didn't listen. I didn't. I was like, I'm tired. I don't I don't care. And, you know, it was like nine o'clock. We've been going all day. So yeah. I was pretty exhausted mentally, you know, and physically. So I went to bed and God woke me up with three dreams. Oh yeah. In the middle of the night. I was so exhausted the next morning and so mad. <laughs> God and everybody oh. in that, especially Craig, I was like, and I and I was, you know, I'm not, I'm not quiet person, obviously. So I, I went down there and I was like, okay, I'm mad at you, <laughs> mad at God. I got no sleep, and I mean, I was, I was half joking, half serious, but I was also acknowledging what Craig said in my grumpy sort of way. Oh yeah. But that he was right, you know, God was speaking to me through my dreams, and God made it clear, hey. Listen, like, 
listen to what Craig is saying. This is true. Three dreams, you know. And uh, so what the practice I've learned is to write them down, even just write them down. Yeah. And further, I got, and you know, you're going to grow as you do this because what I've, what I've learned um, after doing that for a while, I had a spiritual director on a retreat. Um, not too long after that, I had been practicing this. And I came in and, and I wrote down the dream and I read it to her in our spiritual direction. I had one the night before and I read it to her and she said, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go back now. And this is the nuance mm. of just not just writing it down. She goes, I want you to write it like it's a story. I want, to, I want you to write it down like you would be telling someone this story. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. I think I see the difference that you're talking about. And she goes, and then I want you to title it. And I'm like, oh, I already have a title. And I gave her the title. She's like, that's a terrible title. (laughs) (laughs) And she goes, she's like, Kurt, just go back, write the dream down in a story form, like you're telling it to someone in a story, and ask God to give you the title. And while you're doing that, it will just rise to the surface. And then she said, also, not just write down it as a story. Like, write the story and then write the main, like, the main characters. Write Mm -hmm. out the main characters and how you feel about them, including yourself. And as you're doing those things, so there's there's the dream, there's the main characters. I have these, like, categories. Dream, and I write the story. Main characters. I write them out and how I feel about them, including myself. And she says, somewhere in there, a title will rise up. Just be open to it. Ask God to give it to you. And then do all that writing. It'll rise up. And you know what? Inevitably, it does. And if it doesn't, that day, I've learned not to worry about it. I will keep the title. I don't have, there's no timeline on this. If I don't get all of the details I'm looking for, you know, like the title doesn't come. I'll keep asking God for days. There's been times it's been three or four days or even a week. And a title just, boom, shows up. Most of the time it comes while I'm doing that. Yeah. But even now, sometimes it doesn't. And the title is very important because I found that the title is the filter. A lot of the times it's the filter, whatever the title is, it's the filter that I begin to see the rest of the dream through. It's the lens. And it changes a lot of the times. The title changes how I look at the dream and how I view the people. Um, so I went, I came back, and a title just rose up, and I wrote it down, and I brought it to her, and she goes, now that's a good title. <laughs> oh, boy. So let's talk about, there's, there's another how. Let's talk about um, the people. Mm. What... Um, including ourselves. Yeah. We're meant to really feel like write down what the people, how we feel about the people in the dream, including ourselves. Um, what, what, do you, what have you learned in that process? Why is that important? What, what do the people show you? Sometimes I know like in some of them, um, the different people have actually represented different parts of yourself. Um, that can be a big one. Uh, thinking back to one of the dreams that you and I processed together, 
And I just remember, like, especially the one character, I was so irritated with, with the, it was like the husband in the dream. And because he was so focused on the details, he wasn't paying attention to anything else that was going on, even though I got dumped in the river in that particular dream. And God's like, well, that's the same thing you do with yourself. Like, you do that. You get caught up in the details, and then you lose track of the big picture, and then instead of having grace for yourself, you get pissed off. He's like, I'm not mad at you for that. I created you for those details that you love. But yeah, you there's times where you need to stop mm. and look at the big picture and recognize what's going on outside of you and not just inside of you in those moments. And I was like, oh, wow, okay. How is that one detail hearing God talk to you about yourself and what you're doing, how's that helped you grow and heal? First off, there's the awareness. You know, we talk about with the Enneagram all the time. You can't bring something to God if you don't know that you're doing it. If you don't know why you're doing it. If it stays in the shadows, you're, you know, you can't, you know, it's stuck. You're stuck in that spot not recognizing it and so it brings that awareness of oh I'm doing this again I'm getting stuck in this moment God's like okay well now that you're aware of it you don't have to stay there like you're not stuck in that moment anymore you don't have to stay in that spot just because you've done that for so many years now this is what I do say about you and this is the part of that that is good and this is the part we're gonna I'm gonna work on you with. And then it's like, okay, God, well, obviously I can't do this. So that's when I get to give over to him. You know, because he's waiting for us to give him that stuff. Mm. And to not keep holding on to it. The problem is is the stuff that's in our shadows, we're holding on to it. We don't know we're holding on to we it. We don't know what we don't know. Yeah. And you can't flip one out without giving that stuff to him. You know. He's like, come on, give it over. I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't have anything in my hands. <laughs> huh? What? Huh? Whole arms full of things. Whole arms full of things. <laughs> and we're like, what are you talking about? My hands are completely empty. <laughs> so that's, that's, you know, that's been the big thing. Like with all of these ones we're doing, like the one I talked about last week, where he's like, you're not seeing me clearly. I was like, oh. <laughs> what was that dream? It's just a, some of the, the details. The, the, um, I was in the dream and I was a superhero kid who's looking for their dad. And spends the whole first part of the dream getting the crud kicked out of them. And searching for their dad, searching for their dad. Dad finally shows up. Looks like the kid's about to die. Perfect timing. And, you know, the friend's going, aren't you going to step in? And the dad's like, no, he's got it. And you're sitting there looking, and you're going like, no, he doesn't. He's, about he's got to... a ball of water circling around his head. He's drowning. He doesn't got it. You know, and, and, you know, obviously, me thinking from that point of view, I'm like, I was wrong. The kid does have it. You know, his power to absorb kicks in, 
he absorbs, you know, he absorbs the attack and winds up blasting it back at the kid that's bullying him. At the enemy. At the enemy. You know, and it goes on, and it's this repeat of, okay, now they're in the dad's lair, and the friend is still there, and there's something wrong with the computer system. The AI has gone crazy and is pretty well killing everyone who goes down there. And the dad is like, okay, we're going to go take care of this. You go that way. I'm going to go this way. Opposite directions. No real, like, clear instructions. And, like, the kid goes down the tube. It's like, yeah, I'm going to prove myself to my dad. Like, this is awesome. And the friend's like, what are you doing? Don't you think you should have given him more instruction? <laughs> and, and, like, there's this, you get this feeling like other kids have gone down there and died. Like, this isn't, like, this isn't the first time they've tried to fix the problem. And the dad's like, if he's really my son, he's got this. It's not going to be a big deal. So you go down there and... The AI does their stupid thing with this question. The kid's like, I'm not answering your stupid question. So the AI attacks him, and the kid absorbs the attack and blasts it back at the AI, completely destroying him and resetting the whole system. And, you know, once again, it's not a big deal. (laughs) And then we're at summer camp, because, you know, what dream is complete without summer camp? Um, you know, and it's the dad and his friend and Jack Black because, you know, it wouldn't be one of my dreams if there wasn't at least one really, really weird aspect in there. And they're getting a water balloon fight. You know, they're using these water <laughs> Same thing I did to my teenagers in youth group. We don't use actual water balloons. We use real balloons, which don't pop <laughs> the first time they hit you most of the time, unless you're really far away and they sting like crazy. Yeah. But they're so much fun. Uh, and we're having this water balloon fight, and, you know, we're almost done, and, like, the leaders are all up on the hill, and I've got one water balloon left. And I look up at Jack Black, and he's like, you wouldn't dare. <laughs> but with that grin, that means I know you're going to do this. And so I throw the water balloon at him, it hits his chest, bounces off onto the ground, it doesn't pop. Oh, well, he's like, you've asked for it. So he belly flops onto the balloon, sending a huge wave of water crashing down the hill, coming down the hill, and you're just sitting there going like, you'd think you'd be scared, but somehow it's fun. And the next thing you know, we're all just on the hillside, playing in the water, my dad's next to me, and a hornet shows up. And we're not talking, like, little tiny cutesy hornet, like, whatever, like, real life hornets. Okay, there's no such thing as a cute hornet. But these are, like, the kind that, like, they kill you. So the hornet shows up. I freak out because, well, frankly, in real life, I'm terrified of bees and hornets and a few other things that you don't need to know about. So I'm telling I'm telling my dad, you gotta kill it because I knew if you can kill the first one, it won't call the swarm over, which, you know, that's really bad news. <laughs> right. And so he goes, reaches down, goes to kill it. And apparently doesn't manage to do that, which you'd think superhero, all you gotta do, put your fingers together. Not that hard. But he doesn't manage to kill it, and it flies up out of his hand, lands on my arm, stings me, and then, of course, the whole swarm shows up out of nowhere, and they're all chasing me, and he's doing nothing. And then, of course, my alarm goes off, because... Who didn't want a nice adrenaline rush? Wait, no, that one didn't actually have an alarm. I literally just woke up because I was terrified. 
So that <laughs> that was that was fun because you know at least I got, I guess I should be glad I got woken up before I got stung by a whole bunch more of those things. The yeah. first one was painful enough. Um, but you know, as I was processing the dream, of course, in typical me fashion, I managed to put it off for a nice solid week and a half, <laughs> which does not surprise anyone who knows me well. <laughs> right. Uh, which is why Kurt's laughing in the first place. But, um, so I'm in the shower. I know I shared part of this, but I'm in the shower because that's, uh, I'm a little bit like you. If my hands are busy, my body's moving. I was like, this is perfect. This is a perfect time to talk to you because there's nothing that you're going to distract yourself with. There's, I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, I guess I could hum and go, la, 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 la. I don't hear you. But other than that, you know, I don't have books. I don't have video games. You know, I don't have any of the things Television. that I might. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, I, I have put on audiobooks, so that's not 100% <laughs> guaranteed. I did finally find a way. But most of the time I forget to do that, so. So in the shower, and he's like, why do you think he's, well, and he'd given me already, I guess I should clarify, he'd already given me the name of the dream. And the name of the dream was, who's the enemy? Mm. And I just, I told you last week, um, my initial thought when he said that was that whole reminder of the Guardians of the Galaxy 2 um, with Ego and knowing from the beginning, like, he's the bad guy. Spoiler alert. <laughs> okay, I'm hoping at this point anyone who wanted to see Guardians of the Galaxy 2 has already seen it. But yes, there's my... Whoops, I spoiled that. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just joking, Kim. <laughs> what? We would never do that to each other. Um, and that was my initial response. Was I Suddenly I'm looking through the dream, looking back at it, and seeing the dad as the bad guy. As the enemy. You know, because there's no, like, I mean, yeah, the bully, I guess, technically could be an enemy... The AI, that seems more like a computer glitch, you know, like, but there's no, like, flat out in your face villain in the dream. So I start going looking for one. And my initial response is, well, it's got to be the dad. Like, he's not there. Then when he does show up, he doesn't step in. You know, he sends his kid totally unprepared. Mm. You know, into a dangerous situation, you know, where you know other people have already died. It's not like he knows his kid that well at this point, technically. Right. In the course of the dream. And then he can't manage, and I'm using the sarcasm as much as I possibly can, to smoosh a bug with his fingers. As a superhero. As a superhero, <laughs> who I'm reasonably sure has super strength. And I was like... It seems like he did it on purpose. Like, and, and that's how I was looking at it. I was like, well, who else could be the villain in this, really? Like, it's the same thing with Ego. It's like, oh, look, I showed up, son, I love you. Let me show you your inheritance. Oh, by the way, I'm planning to kill you. You know? And so God's like, why do you think... I had you name the dream that. 
I was like, I don't know. You want to tell me? Because I'm clueless. He's like, well, that's a good place to start. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> yeah, I'm not assuming. And he's like, it's like, there's still some ways where you're, that's how you're seeing me. You're not seeing me clearly. You're seeing me like I really am, like the dad in the dream. Where I'm not going to do what I say I'm going to do. Where I'm going to leave you alone to fight your battles. You know, where I'm going to say one thing and do something completely different. And you're going to have to keep searching for me and I'm not going to show up until I feel like it. Mm. And he's like, that's not who I am. So the real enemy in here is your vision. It's how you see me that's the enemy. He's like, I am your good dad. Like, he's like, I'm saying you've got it because you do. Like, that was something you you were pointing out to me when we were talking about it. It's like, it's like, you're my son. You've got it. Or in my case, you're my daughter. You've got it. And, you know, like, you don't have to worry about it. I'm not, the reason right. I'm not worried about it is because I know who I made you to be. You know, I know who you are. So why would I be worried? Like, you do. You've got it, kiddo. And I just, I'm like, oh, in the shower crying, because, you know, <laughs> uh, always nice to cry when there's no tissues that you can actually touch without them turning into mush. <laughs> you know, and that, that was just so impactful, because, like, I was like, he's like, I know you see me better than you used to. He's like, I'm not, this isn't a condemnation, this is an invitation to start looking for me more clearly. And, uh, to give me those areas where you aren't seeing me and aren't trusting me. To be who I am. You know, and <laughs> it, obviously this is this is only, a, we were only like a week or two into this. Because mm. that was just last week that we processed that even. You know, but I'm, I'm seeing little bits and pieces of it. You know, I'm catching myself, you know going wait was that really you yeah okay and chilling like paying attention like even the phone call conversation on sunday night was i mean it was hard it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't an easy conversation to have but it was such a god thing i was like oh there you were again and and, and there you were again and just showing up in little things like hey we organized my desk and we did it together you know, and, and how much peace that brought because it wasn't just me trying to do it alone like I normally would have mm. just to get it done with. But I was like, oh, look, what do you think about this? Oh, that's pretty. So what I hear you saying is the title of that dream became the lens through which you saw the dream, which became the lens through which you saw a way you were perceiving God, which allowed you to shift that, you know, opened you up to shift that perception of God, which then became the lens that you're seeing God through um, more clearly in your in your waking life. Yeah. I think that right there is a perfect example of how God works through our dreams if we will be open and receptive to heal us, right? To, the wounds are what really get in the way of us hearing God clearly and seeing him for who he is. 
when we don't know we have these wounds, the wounds, the enemy speaks through the wounds loudly. And so it's such a, a lot of the times it's such a subconscious reactive thing that God needs to, it's a frontal assault and can work because we have such thick walls. He needs to come under our walls. And dreams are the way that God comes under our walls. Shakes them down. And, you know, he, he's, he's, the, he's the ninja that through the dreams, he's a dream ninja. Through the dreams, he slips over or under our walls in stealth and then comes in and speaks, you know, rather than an attack, he speaks, he doesn't attack us, he attacks the misperceptions, he attacks the things, we're, the wounds we're holding on to, he's pointing out the things that we are doing that are keeping us in the dark. As you said, holding on to things in the dark we can't see, right? Yeah. He highlights those things. He comes in and shines the light. When he comes under, the, he attacks the darkness is what he does. Yeah. And he shines a light. That's a beautiful example of how he does that. That's really good. I don't think I need to share my dream. I think uh, <laughs> I think you just did a, a great job of doing that. I think that's great. This is how God heals us. Um, one thing I, I want to say and wrap up on this, Kim... Is you were talking about how you learned some things like colors, numbers. We just talked about some things like people representing, you know, uh, aspects of yourself. Most of yeah. the people I've heard upwards of ninety something percent of the people in your dream are actually you. And now there will be people like I know personally who will say, "Well, I just talked to those people the night before," and you know, so th- th- it's not. It's, it's not God. It's just they were on my mind when I went to sleep. But, one, doesn't God use those kind of things to speak to us? Didn't Jesus heal people like a man with mud? <laughs> Didn't he, like, pick up mud, slap it on the dude's face, and, <laughs> and say, go wash it in the pool, right? He used all kinds of things. There were people who he just spoke Right, and they were healed. Other people he touched. Other people, he you know he used physical touch. He used mud. He used things of the world to bring about healing. So why can't God use our brains processing of the day and dreams to do the same? Why can't it be both? Yeah, it certainly seems to to work both ways. I mean, if one of the ways he speaks to us is through other people, then other people being in our dreams doesn't mean that he's not speaking or using those. I mean, the Bible is very clear. God is constantly speaking. You know, the difference is, are we listening? Mm-hmm. Here's a beautiful way to listen. And the more we listen, the more the things that people teach us that are principle, that could be dream principles, like doing it the way we are talking about. Yeah. Begin to, you know, like you find your own way and they begin to be less like guardrails and and more subjective where you can go, you can begin to feel your way where God is speaking. Because there are times now, like 
yeah, it's true that I still look and see, yeah, most of the people in the dream are probably aspects of me. But now I just, there's a more, because I've been doing this for so long, there's a more intuitive sense. I've, I've felt God. I've seen God move in my dreams. I've heard him speak. I know him better in this aspect of what he looks like as he's moving through my dreams. Again, it's a relationship. Relationships are subjective. The more you get to know a person, the more you intuit what, who that person is, what they're doing, what they like, what they don't like. Same with God in the dreams. I have more of an openness of sensing when God is a particular person in a dream and not me. Yeah. You know, that where that general rule I can sense, no, that's actually God speaking to me, right? And so all I'm saying is practice makes perfect, or at least we're never going to be perfect but on anything. But practice helps us relax and, and feel it out. And be more open to feeling it out and letting God, you know, t- show us how this, what this dream is and where he at, is in it. And we, we get better. We just get better. And I just, again, I want to acknowledge it. It can be hard to start when you've never done it before. It can be hard to put down skepticism. But remember, our scripture is showing us something. You know, there are people in Scripture who have had these experiences. And then you have to ask yourself, with Scripture, is it prescriptive or descriptive? Mm -hmm. In other words, is it prescribing a method for me to follow? Or is it describing a unique circumstance of things that happened that is not necessarily for me to follow exactly or whatever, right? But when you see over and over again, for me anyway, this is the question everyone has to answer. Are these dreams that we see in Scripture, God speaking through dreams, prescriptive or descriptive? Everything in Scripture, you have to ask that question. For me, it's, it's prescriptive because yeah. if God spoke to believers and unbelievers alike, what does that tell me? Well, first of all, it describes that God is always speaking, so it is descriptive. And then it prescribes a, a way for me to be open to him. Yeah. And so hopefully what we've shared tonight at this time in the show is a, is a way for people to begin to practice something and, and take God at his word and put it into practice. I believe Jesus said something about those who listen to my word and put it into practice, they are like the wise man who builds his house on a solid foundation. I think he also said, those who hear my word and put it into practice, they're my mothers and brothers. They're my family. So look in scripture for yourself. Practice. God likes practice. And there's nothing, you know, the great thing about practice, spiritual practices, is there's, you're, you can relax because no one's judging you at practice. It's only, it's only practice. So practice this and see what happens and, and give God a chance. It's definitely worth it. I will say that. I mean, I've seen a big change in my life. There's things that I don't think God could have gotten my attention on any other way. I mean, maybe he could have had you throw them at me during one of our meetings, but there's a certain stubbornness occasionally that comes in. Yeah. 
unintentionally when it comes to hearing things from other people that sometimes it takes like you said he's that ninja sneaking this thing under your guards and under your defenses in a way that is just different enough that you can hear it and see it and not immediately freak out yeah <laughs> and if you want help with this if you're trying it out and you've got questions and you don't have a spiritual director you don't have somebody that can help walk you through things um you can reach out to us we would love to help we would love to to give you advice so you can reach us on facebook that's a really good way finding us life hurts god heals just search that out on Facebook. You'll find us. Um, you can also reach out to us through our email, lifehurtsgodheals2020 at gmail.com. And, uh, yeah, we would love to, to, to help you out and, and give you advice and just hear what you're going through. So, um, And, you know, you can always... There's always God. There's always prayer. And I, I really feel like asking him. Yeah. What is going on, God? What is happening? It, did I really hear from you in this dream? And and then take the time to listen and write down what you hear. So prayer is important in this. And on that note, Kim, <laughs> would you mind praying for us as we close out? Yeah. No problem. Dad, thank you that you are always speaking. What a privilege and what a joy it is to be your kid. I just ask that you would help us to not be childish, but to be childlike when we're in our approach to you. That we won't try to put you in a box, but that we would let you be who you are to us. A good, good father. Dad, I always love that you are good at being God. You are good to us. And you are just good in general. Dad, I ask that you would <laughs> that you would give us dreams. And that you would give us the receptivity that we need to seek you out for the answers in the middle of that. Thank you that you are the provider of all wisdom. That you are our provider for everything that we need. That you say that you give us abundantly more than we could ever ask or hope for. So Dad, I just ask that you would give us the courage to reach out to you in new ways. That we would not let preconceived notions or fears hold us back from any of the good gifts that you have for us. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Cool. Thank you, Kim. Thank you, uh, thank you to everyone who's listening. We really appreciate you, and we'd love to hear from you again. For sure. Until next time, take care. <laughs>